Welcome to the Four Jack Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to season six in the Four Jack Podcast, powered by our friends over at Galvin Green. Galvin Green is the number one technical golf apparel brand preferred on every professional tour. They're famous for designing high-tech, elevated golf apparel for every golfer, male or female, to feel invincible under all conditions. Head over to galvingreen.com and get your apparel game dialed in for the fall season. A massive thank you to our community that continues to support and share in our success. Throughout season six, you can expect more untold stories, more amazing guests, and a deeper dive into how golf truly impacts, connects, and is celebrated by many. This is an exciting episode tonight. Four Jack has been tuned into this man's amazing interpretations for a number of years now, and tonight we plan to dive deep into the mind of a creative that has found his place in golf. But before we check in with tonight's special guest, as per usual, we're going to head down to warmer climates to check in with my co-host, the AGM, Mr. Derek Lane, what's happening in SoCal. Well, Parksy, um, much like last week, so I'm just going to quick start off and say, for those that don't know, that John did pass. So Team Trasmer, um, it was a hell of a run. Uh, he he fought as hard as he could. It was it was too bad when he came on. Uh, as we said last week, we thought we might have gotten a break with some of the clear scans, and then it came back pretty aggressively. So always want to keep uh, our listeners up to that. I know that he uh, he had some nice words on the way out. We texted a little bit. Pretty tired in the last couple of days, but our guest being from Arizona, there's a lot of Arizona love for John and not trying to make anything somber, but last time I'm going to mention it, but I do feel that the world of golf uh, at least deserved to know from us uh, in case they hadn't got that news. I know the family's trying to kind of keep it quiet. They did kind of, I don't know if you heard the Jerry Kelly connection, which was always kept under wraps yeah. uh, just because that's who John is. But that being said, um, transitioning and segueing into what tonight is about, uh, I think one of those nights where you kind of really truly think you know something until you see artwork or you see something framed or you see something at live, you know, at the event. And then you realize, oh, that's not at all what I thought that person would be like or what that person would look like or what that person would sound like. Right. And so some of our favorite events are when we get to meet people and they decide to kind of do our show and then we get to steer ourselves in a little bit of that what I'm going to say, conversation, conversational way of kind of figuring out where golf fits in with things along with lifestyle and what got them into the thought process of where they are. And this one's a little different because uh, you're very good with sponsors. If people see the video, you've got everybody everywhere they're supposed to be, but you have featured one of his uh, prints in every single place we've been. And I think it's one of those things. My first, I remember when I was working at the 08 Open at Torrey, that was always the one I bought first, um, and, and I've collected a considerable number of them since then. But I am excited to kind of hear where this came from. It's going to be a little different from what we've been doing the last couple of weeks, and then we'll be very different from what we do next week. So the best part about this show <laughs> is that kind of variable that we have between guests and not always making it about swing plane and, and club specs, right? Polar opposites, truly, yeah. from tonight's guest to next week's guest. But this is a fun one for me, and, and obviously I'm a proponent of what this man does. Obviously, we're, we're hanging it in the walls of the uh, the studio. So without further ado, the 4Jack Podcast is extremely excited to host one of the premier artists in golf today. You may even know this man by his work or his unique theme. He's been commissioned by some of the finest clubs and organizations in the game and prominently, obviously, displayed on the walls of the 4Jack studio. 
It gives me great pleasure to welcome to our show, Mr. Lee Wabransky. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Derek. Great to be with you all today. Absolutely. Thanks for making some time to jump on with us. I know we've 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 conversed a little bit by email. Didn't get a chance to connect with you at the U.S. Open uh, at uh, LACC, but amazing to have you on tonight. So maybe just give us a little insight into where you are today and what's going on in your world. Uh, well, I'm a Philly guy living in Flagstaff, 7,000 feet up here, uh, four seasons in Arizona. We had a very snowy winter last year and wondering if we're going to have the same this year. Um I was painting Old Memorial uh, outside of Tampa uh, this morning uh, for an event that we do for a good friend of mine uh, who's the golf professional or the director of golf there, Rob Anderson. Uh, we've been doing work for him uh, for the last few years out there. Uh, I spent uh, a chunk of the day while painting, listening uh, to your dulcet tones uh, and uh, really enjoyed a few it, it kind of made me realize how many different hats I wear in this space. But uh, I started out listening to your your show with Todd Martin, who's uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, I'm fortunate to enjoy a really wonderful relationship with Peter Millar, and uh, I've known uh, I've known a lot of those guys since they were at Ralph Lauren. Uh, so uh, it's it it was really uh, fun, sort of. Uh, the shop talk side of the business, which it really doesn't, you know, I, I enjoy talking apparel, you know, a big part of what we do is logo design and branding. So, I mean, all that, all that work lives and breathes on apparel. So I, I love uh, talking soft goods and, and, and getting into the weeds with uh, other vendors and uh, suppliers and things like that too. So uh, yeah, it was a little bit of painting, a little bit of listening today, trying to think if there's anything else uh, noteworthy. That's about it. Well, Lee, I always do my due diligence. And when, when I was uh, talking with Parksy and kind of going offline, I texted Todd today. And Todd is always my barometer because we're very similar in attitudes and that it's a yay or a nay and he know right away. And he was pretty profuse up front. And I just said, see, this is why I always do this. I always ask so that I know how far I can push boundaries. As you know, with Todd, <laughs> if you get an acceptance, you can usually go in just about every direction possible and everything's going to be okay. But had nothing but amazing things and said the, the relationship with Peter Millar and obviously the Flagstaff connection and a lot of the good things. So he was very kind in return, just so you know. Nice to hear. Nice to hear. I appreciate that very much. He's always been a great supporter. Yeah. Uh, I've had a handful of guardian angels through the course of my career and, and Todd and uh, a few of the folks at Peter Millar, Scott Mahoney and a couple of their key sales folks are, are longtime friends and have certainly enjoyed their support all along the way. Well, before we start, I'm going to say one thing, Parksy. If anybody ever calls Todd Martin or Laddie a guardian angel, then we might not be where <laughs> I thought we are in this world. <laughs> I, I got to say, we were his very first podcast. Can you believe that? Like, amazing. But, Lee, I got to say, I'm impressed. You listened to us all day, and you still came on tonight. So we're, we're a one-up in the world here. That's a point on the board. Oh, man, I, I just feel like uh, we're just continuing the conversation. You just haven't heard me talk yet. <laughs> well, it's, the floor is yours by all means. But I got <laughs> I got to say, I want to start this off by the Philly guy was a comic book guy, started out doing drawings, maybe as, you know, a youth. How did this evolution come to be? I mean, this is a weird world to sort of enter into being from a, a totally different perspective. Yeah, it really is counterintuitive. Uh, most people, uh, when they hear what I do, would assume 
assume that uh, I've had a lifelong love affair with golf and uh, I found a way to uh, bring my talent to bear on, on a sport that I love. And, you know, it was, it was pretty much upside down of that. Uh, I went to art school and I came out of art school. I went to Syracuse in upstate New York. I got my BFA there and I walked out of art school, sort of a master of all trades or what's the expression? Jack of all trades, master, master of none. none. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, all I knew was I wanted to find a way to make a living making pictures, you know? And uh, I stumbled into an opportunity doing house portraits, uh, pen and ink architectural renderings for mansions, estates, private institutions on the main line outside of Philadelphia. And uh, long story short, we ended up showing that portfolio to a number of the, the top clubs around the Met section around New York. Uh, Wingfoot was my very first commission. My first picture in golf was a, pen, a very fine pen and ink rendering of the famous Clifford C. Wendahat Clubhouse at Wingfoot. And uh, Colin Burns, you know, a legend in this uh, space, uh, was my very first client in golf. And uh, Obviously, if you get a client like Wingfoot, uh, doors magically start to open. Uh, so within that first year, I had suddenly become a golf artist. And from there, I, I just sort of took, uh, took flight with the entrepreneurial side of life, you know, meaning, you know, you, you, as we got to know the space and got to understand who our customers were, we got to, I feel like I heard one of your guests say this today, you look for the white space, you know, you look for the, the thing that people need that no one's, no one's taken care of yet. And uh, while art isn't necessarily a necessity in most uh, parts of life, we were able to find uh, places where it fit very nicely in golf. It's a very unique proposition because there wasn't a lot of attention to this space and you've kind of created this need, this attention, this draw. But I got to ask, what, what was this sort of creative process for you, especially with the first commission? I mean, that must have been nerve wracking. You're going from housing mm -hmm. to a space you don't know to people that are expecting something and you don't even know what that expectation is. How do you kind of level up your game? I mean, they say you're not supposed to do this, but I've, I've over promised most of my career. And then I stress out like crazy trying to make sure that I live up to what I promise, uh, or at least that's kind of how it feels like. Uh, the first project with Wingfoot was was definitely very stressful. We were trying to get into a new space that, you know, I didn't know very much about at that time. I'd caddied one summer. I, I, I jokingly say, you know, I've always been skinny and nearsighted, uh, and I grew up in the 80s. I caddied one summer, and I mean, the bags weighed like 90 pounds, and uh, I couldn't see the ball once it hit the sky. So obviously I needed to find another uh, another profession as a 13 year old. So <laughs> I went back to mowing lawns. I really didn't have any great knowledge, affection or feeling for golf one way or the other, but I did know at Wingfoot that I was in a very special place that, uh, you know, hosted US Opens. Uh, all just the mythology around that place is, it's one of those temples of the game here in America. And uh, I, I kind of knew the stakes were high and I, I was a little worried about it. But at that point in time, what I was contracted to do there, I felt very confident in my abilities to fulfill the, uh, the assignment. And, and that drawing remains one of my favorites, uh, you know, largely because it, it sort of set the stage for a lot of things that followed. Um, but from there, it was just, 
sort of people asking, well, we really like your style. We like your look. Can you do this? And you say, yeah, I can do that. And then you go and you figure out how to do it. Um, <laughs> Overpromise. You know, we have a lot of friends in common. I, I, I loved hearing all my, uh, you know, all, all of our mutual friends' name. But Dennis Satisher was another uh, great, great supporter throughout my career, but especially in the early days. And uh, I'm trying to remember. They hired me. I, I did, a, a again, a black and white drawing of, of the great clubhouse at Caves Valley. And then a year or two later, they said, you know, we, we love what you do, but um, can you do something in color? Uh, because, you know, golf is, is, is played in, in a natural landscape. We'd like to see something in color, but we like your sort of old school look. And uh, I said, sure. And, and, and then I painted their second hole uh, for the fall member that year in the late 90s. And, uh, and then I painted did it again and then again and again and I did six paintings of the second hole at Caves Valley before I felt good enough uh, about one that I could present to Dennis. Uh, so uh, you know that's sort of how it's been every step of the way. Can you define your style for us for our audience that doesn't necessarily know Lee? You know it's it's hard for me to from the inside. Uh, I don't think that way so uh, but I mean, it's very traditional. It's built on solid fundamental principles. Um, I wouldn't call it extremely sort of, it's not impressionistic. Uh, it's not expressive. Uh, what, I, what I try to do is create simple, bold images that stir the soul in the viewer and because I live and breathe in golf, you know, and, and I've gotten as deep as I can into it, you know, I, I feel like I, I really want to create these, these iconic scenes that, 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 that touch the viewer, that make, that make the person want to like, you know, get their clubs and step into the picture and play. That's, that's really, you know, what I try and do. And, and, and I do, uh, I kind of resist words. Retro and vintage are two words that are used to describe my work a lot, which is fine. Uh, I don't have any problem with that. But the way I think about it is, is I try and make something that looks like it could have been done five years or 75 years ago, you know, and uh, that's really what I strive for is something that sort of has a classic timeless look to it that you know, doesn't go out of style. Well, and, and I think that's that's an interesting way to put that because when I tell people, everybody has art style, right? Everybody loves certain angles or lighting or things like that. For me, everything you do is soul capturing. That's the way I look at it, right? So like when you talked about Dennis and Caves and, and you do the second, or when you look at like the, the famous LA one that's behind Chris or, or some of the opens, I think what you've done so well from a golfer standpoint is the ability to truly understand what you're going after. So like for me, walking up and the first thing you see is the image, right? And you see it and it's like, okay, it's already steering towards a time period or an event and you're already kind of captured. But what comes through there from the colors or the flags blowing or grandstands or anything else, you've kind of captured not only the, the place on the golf course that we love, you've also captured what we're supposed to get from the event or from the, from the golf course. And I think that, like you said, if you start in black and white renderings with Wingfoot and other places, I do believe that when you really think about the thought process of when something's painted and I walk in as a golfer, much like how we play the game, 
it's what you take away from it. And I think, I don't want to say ambivalent because that's not what I'm trying to say, but everybody is has their own interpretation of what it is that comes from what they paint. And, and the thing is, is, is I told Chris a couple of weeks ago, and I found out you were going to be on, it was literally, you can capture a million different opinions with one single portrait because we all play the game differently. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I don't know if it's the same thing, but I, I feel like, you know, I often, especially with the poster work that I do for the championships, I really, you know, what I'm trying to do is make something iconic, you know, because that's what the event demands. That's what, that's what, you know, that's my job basically is to, to promote and celebrate, uh, you know, uh, a major championship. Uh, so what I try and do is identify the things that I think are the most signature elements of the venue. Like I, I literally always think in terms of there's typically one star of the poster and then maybe two or three supporting characters. And, and, and that's what, I, and then I strip out kind of everything else because I'm not a photorealist. I'm not trying to paint every blade of grass. I kind of want to show everything that's important to show and nothing else. So that those key elements have the cleanest, most striking impact on the viewer. And a lot of times, because I'm a golfer myself and I'm sensitive uh, to the beauties of the game as, you know, golf is kind of neat like that. Um, you know, a lot of folks that you wouldn't necessarily think are, are so sort of appreciative of beauty in everyday life, you put them on a golf course. And I mean, you know, someone in the foursome is going to talk about how beautiful the course is or how, you know, what a beautiful day it is or how great the bunker is. Like people, it's, it's a visual game. And, and, and people, People who love golf love that part of it largely, I think. You know, uh, a hole that sits perfectly in the landscape strikes every golfer's heart. You know, it's not like, it's almost like it's a, I don't know, universal. Uh, you know, I think a lot of golfers are drawn to the to the same things. And, and then I try and put those things in my posters so that it moves, you know, it moves the viewer. It's, it's usually the guy that just made birdie and is enjoying his day that makes a comment about the landscape or that how great the sunshine is and everybody else hates him for it. But would you consider this watercolor or what, what would be the technical sort of name for this process? Sure. Um, I work in a variety of different uh, media. Uh, the LACC, the, the, this year's U S open painting, uh, was done in oil. Uh, so that's an oil on canvas originally. Uh -huh. uh, for many years, uh, Derek, you mentioned the 08 Tory Pines poster. That was my my very first major championship poster. And uh, that was done in watercolor. And I think that's a pretty good example of everything I kind of long-windedly said a minute ago. Like <laughs> that poster, there's not a lot in it. It's, it's pretty clean and open. There's just a handful of elements, but everything's in the right place and everything's the right color, and it all hopefully, you know, sits together and fits on the page very harmoniously, and that's what I strive for, uh, but uh, that was done in watercolor, and I probably, you know, if anyone is familiar with my work, they've probably seen more of my watercolor than anything. It's been uh, mostly the work I've done has been in watercolor for the last 15 years, about the last five years, just for artistic reasons, as well as business reasons. I've been, uh, you know, 
sort of experimenting and, and, and pushing the envelope a little bit in a few different directions with my media. Well, you've, you've earned the right, but where you get me is Augusta. Because like when you did 12 in the bridge, you, the fall coat, the foliage in the back is what I saw, or you've got just different angles than other people use. And I think that for me, because as, as overprinted as Augusta is, I think that's one of the, the telltale signs when you always look, everybody's got a print or an artist rendering or a proof or something, right? Like that's the one we all have in our rooms, but you just had a different take on it. I always have noticed that there's just something extra to that. And I, I do enjoy that thought process. And of course the Tory one got me and then Kiowa was the other one. I just, I thought that was probably the best work you did. Yeah, it sort of sucks you in. I mean, my interpretation of the, the pictures are wanting to see behind the borders, like wanting to be involved in what's happening there. You want to kind of peek behind what's right in front of you. And I think that that's what's captivating for me anyway. That's my sort of personal interpretation. But we let's transition away from Lee the artist. Let's transition to Lee, the 13-year-old caddy and potentially Lee, the, the golfer. How did, how did we get an introduction to the game and what was sort of the, I don't know, what drew you into caddying? Was it just a means to an end for some, some revenue or was there a little bit of interest there? Oh no, it was just cash, you know, I just, uh, summer job. Born a couple miles from Marion in Havertown, Pennsylvania, and uh, did right up the road from Lanark, which some of your uh, listeners and viewers may know. Uh, and then we moved a little bit farther out uh, to Chester County near Westchester, Pennsylvania. And, um, you know, surrounded by cornfields, and it was kind of either mow the lawn or, or caddy. And uh, we had a big yard and I mowed that lawn plenty as it was. So I didn't really want to be going mowing other people's lawn. So one summer I decided to, to truck on down to Whitford Country Club, which was a mile walk from my house and, uh, and, and give it a whirl. Um, I had probably three aunts and three, a couple of uncles and an aunt uh, who who used to like bring a, a shag bag and a, and a pitching wedge to the backyard barbecues on the 4th of July. And, and they'd pitch balls back and forth and, you know, try and knock them into a laundry basket. And, nice. and, you know, I, uh, I still have a, a great uncle nice. who is the main golf enthusiast in the family who is, who's been playing, you know, most of his six decade golf career with the worst slice I've ever seen. Uh, but he just, uh, you know, enjoys it. Always has, always has the latest golf joke. Uh, so, you know, the relatives were really my only exposure. Uh, caddying did not go well. I went back to mowing lawns. Um, uh, I'm tr trying to think of how I got into it as an uncle I just mentioned, you know, Mr. Banana Ball. Uh, I see him the Thanksgiving after I get hired by Wingfoot to do their clubhouse. And I'm telling him all about it. And he's like, can you get me on? He's like, no, I can't get you on. I mean, he really is a golf play, aficionado. But, you know, <laughs> That's the first question I would have asked. <laughs> I don't care about your artwork. Can we play? When can we play? <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. So he was like, listen, I'll you. How about that? And uh, I was like, I'm sorry, Uncle Jim. I just can't make this happen. But he, he did impress upon me that, uh, I was missing out potentially on a real perk if I didn't, uh, you know, if I didn't play, because 
you know, top 10 club in the, in the world. I mean, you, you get invited, you should be able to go and play, but I didn't want to go there and dig ditches on their pristine fairways. So, uh, so I, I eventually that, that following season, I decided both not to miss out on a perk as well as I figured genuinely that it would, it would help inform my work and my, you know, if I, if I had played the game and I had a greater understanding of the game, that could only help. Uh, and this was in my, you know, early, I guess I was 23, something like that. Um, and so, uh, you know, I just started, I was living in the city, started playing the munis, started, uh, you know, taking it and, and I got bit by the bug like a lot of guys do. And I just, you know, all through my twenties, just played as and practiced as much as I could, um, because I started to become friends with all these different golf professionals in the Philly section. I, I would go to Marion and get my lessons, you know, I, I'd have playing lessons with, with different pros here and there. And it was just a great sort of, uh, uh, primer, a great way to get into, uh, into the game. And, uh, you know, as a temperament, uh, as an artist, I kind of jump into things with both feet. And so that's how I approach golf as well. I'm interested to know if you approach a painting through the eyes of a player or the eyes of an artist, how do you sort of digest what's in front of you and transition to translate that onto canvas or paper? So my dad is a civil engineer and uh, I created, my dad was a draftsman. But we were always brought up, you know, I'm the youngest of three boys. My dad was in the army, you know, we had chores, we had the right way and the wrong way to do things. And one of the things I always remembered was, you know, the right tool for the right job, you know, things like that were sort of drilled into us early. And when it came time to doing artwork commercially and professionally, I essentially devised a fairly, you know, method method or what am I trying to say like a methodology you know it, it, it wasn't like that a lot of people think that art you know and a lot of artists work this way you know very loosey-goosey very intuitive very expressive but you know what I do uh I'm sort of a hired gun uh, for some of the clients you know and my job is to come on in there and really distill the essence of something and and make it shine uh, as much as possible so I I have devised a process over the course of uh of my career that 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 works very well for me and and I I kind of would equate it with like a, a pre-shot routine you know I I, okay. I do go through the same steps leading up to every job as much as possible uh you know uh typically like I'm trying to think of what I could lead you through uh I can remember Aaron Hills for 2017 U.S. Open you know I I, uh, I drove out to the middle of Wisconsin. I spent a couple of days lugging a ladder and, you know, on a golf cart all around Aaron Hills. Um, because when the U.S. Open goes to Oakmont, you're probably going to see the church pews or maybe the house. Or when it goes to Pebble Beach, you might see the 7th or the 18th. But when the U.S. Open goes to Aaron Hills, a place that no one knows anything about, uh, then you have uh, a much sort of bigger, broader more blank canvas uh, to fill. So, um, uh... This next segment of the show is brought to you by our new friends over at Swannies. Swannies is here with a fresh take. Performance-based materials are a given these days. If you're looking for the stretchiest, 
most lightweight pieces that can deliver a look that says, I'm here for a good time. Take a walk on the Swanee side. With fabric sourced from recycled plastics and design sourced from our very own weekend warriors, Swanee's looking out for both the planet and those that need a little style boost. Premium looks from top to bottom at swannies.co. And if you use 4Jack25, you can receive an extra 25% off your purchase at checkout. Enjoy swannies.com. It's funny now because, uh, you know, the golf space has changed so much in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years with the internet and social media and a lot of other trends, right? But, uh, you know, drone photography has obviously taken golf by storm, um, uh, you know, in the last five to seven years, I guess you'd say. But uh, I was, I would usually get a 10 or 12 foot ladder that could conveniently be strapped onto the the back of a golf cart. And uh, I don't really like working with aerial views tremendously, which is something either on or very near the ground. Uh, ladders can help you get up a little bit, just you know, you, you might imagine if you were like close to a green complex and a ladder will let you see a little bit more of the bottom of the bunkers. It might let you see a little bit more of the putting surface, but it doesn't change the view altogether the way like a view from, you know, 25 or 35 feet up in the air would. Uh, so a ladder is just a, a little trick of the trade to sort of get slightly some slight elevation that, that, that reveals some more interest in the picture, um, but doesn't change it in a drastic way. Uh, and it's a good workout, you know, carrying a ladder. Aaron Hills, I'll never forget that. The dunes out there were, were insane. I think I'd come after a rain, so it was guard, cart path only. And oh, no. I was ladder all over the, the oh, whole no. golf course. So, uh, yeah, I usually uh, sleep well after those days. So, so how has social media changed what it is you do? Because I remember when I was at the quarry forever, Joanne Dost used a helicopter. And it was nothing like it is now. Now you see Evan Schiller and Channing Benjamin and all of these guys, PJ and all these guys that have such a different style of photography and thought process. And these guys all were working in club shops and they were doing all of these other things. They were not doing this exclusively. So let's talk a little bit about the impact of social media on what it is you've, you've kind of grown into. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it hasn't changed what we do that much. It's become another tool in the toolbox for, for growing our audience and, you know, our brand, I guess you would say. Um, you know, most people love Bob Ross. Everyone loves Bob, Bob Ross <laughs> and his happy and his magic trees. So, uh, you know, my golf paintings, you know, while they're not, they don't typically have sort of a, the surprise ending that Bob Ross's paintings might, uh, you know, those are the most engaging videos that we put out on social or, or when people can see a, you know, a picture for a major championship come to life or, or, or turn from a, a, a blank sheet of paper or canvas into a finished picture. So uh, it, it gives us a, a chance to sort of open a window into my process. Um, and then, also, uh, a lot of I've been doing more and more painting in the field, painting at the major championships, setting up an easel and painting on the golf course. I mean, I was at Oak Hill uh, last May and I set up uh, on, I think, the 13th or the 14th hole. And Kevin Kisner came over and, 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 uh, and we started chatting about Peter Millar as he was looking at my picture. And 
and, and Seth Law from the PGA came down to have a look. So if you put up an easel and you start painting, uh, I don't care where it is, but uh, in my, my case, fortunately on a golf course, people are going to come over and, and, and see what you're doing and ask what it's for and who are you and, you know, uh, and then you, you shoot all that on video and you put it out there. So me painting uh, Marco Simone uh, in the Ryder Cup uh, in September was something that, you know, got a lot of eyeballs for us. So uh, social really just lets people see a little bit of how the magic happens or or how the sausage gets made, depending on what, <laughs> what the job <job> is. <laughs> That's what I was looking for right there, the sausage. That's <laughs> he really did one. listen to some of our prior, <laughs> prior episodes. That's a good one. Oh, too good, too good. All right, we got to ask. Give us, give us the goods. Where are the special spots? Give us what kind of access you've had that Joe Blow wouldn't have access to. I mean, you've had a peek behind the curtain, the proverbial sausage making factory. So give us the fun ones that you've had the experience on. I mean, I wish I should just start making up good stories because I don't have enough good ones. I mean, you would think that there would be like a lot of these, uh, you know, Michael Block stories, but I don't, I, you know, I've gotten to meet a handful of the pros because a lot of them own the work. You know, Rory owns a couple of my pictures. Uh, Justin Rose owns his Marion picture. Uh, nice. Uh, Marion's. Uh, so, you know, DJ. A bunch of the guys own the own the stuff, but uh, I'm trying to think. You know, I don't have anything that would get everybody so excited. I mean, one of my one of the neatest experiences I had probably was. The first time I, I had to work or I was working with Beth Page for the U.S. Open in uh, 09. And uh, I was still living in Philly at the time. So it was just a drive up the road, you know, to get out to Long Island from Philly. Uh, uh, but it had rained buckets the day before. Uh, so it was one of these, you know, leap year things. They actually closed the black. They just closed it to all play because it was just it was too underwater um but uh you know we visited we just happened to be visiting that day to you know to shoot my pictures for the poster uh or maybe we were working on the logo you know that's another thing i'd like to talk about is all the logo work we do but we've been working with the usga design the us open logo since 2004 and i think that's what uh precipitated my visit to beth page on this occasion we were out there just to look around and get a feel for the place uh, it turned out that uh, the superintendent at the time, he and I had a really good mutual friend. And when he found that out, he was like, well, I tell you what, you know, the course is closed. Why don't you guys, uh, I don't know if you know the black, but what is it? When 15 yes. of the 18 holes are on the other side of the road. So he's like, you know, you could just play the short course. Just don't, uh, just don't cross the road with your club. So me and my buddy got to, you know, play uh, whatever that was, you know two through 16 or something like that uh, at, at Beth Page Black all by ourselves. But, uh, I mean, it plays long as it is, but it was so soggy that day that it played really long. <laughs> so that was one of the more fun things. I wish I had more uh, sort of, you know, fairy dust stories in golf, but. Well, the greatest artists in the world say every child special. So uh, good for you because you did exactly that. And <laughs> you know what? You're not wrong. And one of my favorite things when we go through the website, and, and obviously we're golfers, we always look, right? Every year something new is coming out. We can't wait to see what major photo hits and where it drops. In my world, especially living in golf on both sides of it, 
you know, the, the website was the driving force and now those are becoming extinct. And now mm -hmm. it's all about applications and what you can do and the photos being taken. And there's so many different background things we use and so many different variations of how we go about day-to-day -day business. But I think the one thing that I love the most is that the opportunity in the end still lies with you, right? Like everybody has an image, a vision, a thought, but in the end, your thought process with your talent, putting it on something is what's going to come out of it. Is that as rewarding to me, or to, excuse me, to you as it sounds like to me, like to know that in the end, your final say and your final vision is what's going to be put out there and you get to stand behind that. That, that has to be an amazing feeling. It is, uh, you know, it's it's a pinnacle basically uh, for for what I do in, in this space. Uh, you know, I'm a lover of history. I love that golf has a, you know, a multi-century history. Um, I've always said that I view, even before I got to work with the major championships, even when I was working just with, you know, nice private clubs, I felt like I was creating artwork that would be woven into the tapestry of golf. You know, like there've been great paintings and painters around the game of golf for hundreds of years. And if I can throw my meager and modest contribution into that portfolio, you know, that's very gratifying and, and always has been. But when you get to paint the poster for the U.S. Open, you know, for the national championship for the first time, I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, that's like a big, a big gulp, you know, you're like, yeah, okay, all right, this is it, you know. Um, I would jokingly say I, I, I usually bring my worst game to the courses I want to play the most. Um, but uh, fortunately, in the case of the U.S. Open, I brought one of my best images to the most important opportunity of my career at that time. Um, and that Tory Pines poster really changed a lot of things for me. I mean, and it was a perfect storm. You know, Tiger Woods winning in a playoff on a broken leg and the U.S. Open hadn't been to Southern California in 50 years. I mean, all these things contributed to the success of, uh, uh, of the work. Uh, but, you know, at the end of it, to answer your question, yes, it feels spectacularly wonderful to feel like you created something. And I mean, there have been a handful of them that just the, uh, the you know, communicating with the customers in the tent, you know, like uh, there have been a handful of events where the art that I created really rung the bell, you know, it, it really... It just, it did, it did the, it went, went the whole way. I mean, LA this year, that was, that, that was one of our all-time bestsellers this year. Um, last year at Brookline, that was the first, for me, for us, that was the first big U.S. Open after COVID, you know, really. And, you know, I tell you what, Boston turned out in the biggest way. I mean, everyone knows what a great sports town it is, but that in terms of units sold, I think Brookline did break our record and 99% of those customers were from 10 miles away or less. I mean, they were all from right there in Beantown. Um, but hearing uh, the stories of how the work resonates with people um, and, you know, th these rare air kind of moments, like the first time I got to paint St. Andrews for the open. I mean, that's that's La La Land stuff, you know. I mean, you, it it was, it's kind of like 
I dreamed about opportunities like this when I had started working in this space and never would have expected to be painting the posters for all the major championships for the Ryder Cup, for the Walker Cup. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, I definitely view the work. I have a great reverence for the history of the game and having a place in the, in the grand tapestry of the game is something that means a lot to me. So I, I take it very seriously. I put everything I have into, into the work. And when, when it goes well, it's very gratifying for sure. Lee, what can we look forward to? What's on the horizon? Is there a ceiling to any of this? Or are you, do you have some projects in the pipeline that you're really excited about? Maybe you can give us a little morsel. I mean, boy, oh boy. We're trying, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing uh, on trying to get work done sooner. So uh, we're good friends with Gary McNeil at Royal Port Rush. Uh, you know, he reached that when we were very excited for the Open to return to Port Rush in 19. And he reached out to me probably in 2017, uh, seeing when the posters were going to be ready. And, you know, he wanted to, he wanted to help. <laughs> he basically, you know, was giving his input and just had unbridled enthusiasm. Uh, so we're, we're going to be probably doing the next couple of Opens together next year at Troon and then the following year at Port Rush. We're going to try and get those done uh, at the same time. Uh, I love working for the Open because I love that style of golf. I, I love I love natural elemental golf, uh, and I love golf by the water. So obviously, a lot of those Open venues kind of fit the bill. Um, what else is coming up? I mean, I'm I was literally I was. Uh, uh, sorry, it's it's I, it's hard to I stammer a little bit, but it's it's kind of like every job is super exciting. Today, the last thing I did before I left the studio, uh, after finishing the old memorial painting, I was doing a, a a quick sketch for this year's Players Championship. Uh, so that'll be the very next thing that I move on to. Uh, will be the players. Um, Pinehurst will be a spectacular uh, venue to paint again. It's always a particular challenge to go to a venue for the second time and try and find, you know, something else that's as good, if not hopefully better uh, than what I found the first time. Uh, so uh, I'm really excited about what we've got cooking for Pinehurst. Um, I listened to your uh, your pod with, uh, what was it, Ben? Ben Bridgers, is that right? I listened to that yeah, today. I've had the pleasure of knowing Laura Robinson. He talked a lot about Laura and sure. Laura's been a friend for a lot of years and uh, uh, everything he said was obviously right on there. I mean, she's amazing with what they do there. And and the whole ethos at Pinehurst is so different than it was just 10 years ago. I mean, as you said on the pod, uh, there's something new happening there all the time uh, now. Uh, and it feels like, you know, for, for years, it seemed like, you know, kind of nothing ever changed there. And now it seems like, boy, oh boy, you go back six months later and all of a sudden there's a, a new putting course or a new brewery or something like that. So I'm, I'm excited for that. We're hoping to do some things in conjunction with Peter Millar. Uh, you know, I've enjoyed a, sort of a, a, a very warm and formal relationship with Peter Millar. And uh, we're hoping to do some things around the open together at Pinehurst. Um, and uh, a little bit of tennis. Uh, I love tennis. I played tennis in high school. 
And tennis is, uh, if, if there's any sort of obvious extension, I feel like to golf in terms of what I do, uh, it's tennis. And, you know, I'd love to do work for Wimbledon uh, or the US Open or the French, but uh, uh, we're getting our, we've done work for, for the Rolex Monte Carlo Masters for a few years, but this year we're doing work for uh, the Indian Wells event, the BNP Paribas at Indian Wells out in the desert. And uh, we went to the event last year to do field work and it's a spectacular event. So I'm kind of excited for that. I don't know if, you know, all your golf fans will be excited, but uh, it's a really cool event uh, that's got a unique energy and it'll be fun uh, as a creative person to sort of, you know, have to apply my talents to a different subject matter. Um, so that's something. Well, Parks, Parks, you and I spent a lot of time in the desert, so we're very familiar with the Indian Wells tennis event because it was kind of a monster event for us. But, you know, when you you touched on a lot of things that really hit home with us, because obviously we're huge fans of Ben, and I don't think it's coincidental that when he became where he is and working with the people that he does, that, Pen, that Pinehurst is ascending on the, on the level that they are, or as you said, between Scott and Todd and all of the amazing people that work for Peter Millar and it's just kind of how we grew, right? And so we're a big part of that. And we're very thankful for you tonight because a lot of the people that have brought us our audience are people like yourself who are intertwined with other mm -hmm. really good people. And if there's a message that really comes from our podcast, it's the thought process is that we just want to keep finding these people on this tree that give back, that give to the game, but more importantly, talk highly of the other people that got them to where they are, right? So I just love the pleasantries that come from these podcasts about other people. And, and like we started out with Todd or with Ben or other people, it just goes and on. And, you know, like last week we had Chris Zambri, who's going to run the USGA kind of team aspect of junior golf through Pinehurst now that the USGA is invested in that property. And it all becomes interconnected at this level because I think the reason our game is in such great hands is that there's just such a great amount of people like yourself who are giving back doing great work being thankful and grateful for what they do and then most importantly being appreciative for the game that brings us all together so i'm very grateful for your time tonight and i think one of the things that we're going to get out of this the most is we'll obviously put all of your your links and everything up on socials but i think the thing that people like you said i know that vintage is a word that's used but i think people um no matter what their ages are going to connect to what it is you do and I think that's the great part about this. What is vintage to us might not be mm. vintage to them. And I know full well that as all of us age, and you've said some pretty big names like Dennis Adisher and golf clubs, and I, I just think it's going to be a really neat catalog in its own time for people that want great understanding of history, which our game provides. But it's also going to be great in a den. It's going to be great at work. It's going to be great anywhere. And I think that's the talent literally that comes from you is that it goes anywhere mm. in any room because it's from you. So I just want you to be able to say, you know, that you did it the way you did it, because for us, this night tonight will be a big one for us because we captured kind of that essence of what you do. And I don't think that's easy. And the only reason we really did is because of what you gave us. Thank so thank you. you. Very kind of you. Before we let you off the hook, Lee, sure our listeners know where to find you. So as Derek mentioned, we'll post all your links on socials. And we actually have a pretty, uh, exciting contest to uh, propose on socials we're going to give away a print or a couple of prints okay. from lee so you'll have your chance to get on uh, on the lee bandwagon here but for those unlucky souls that don't get an opportunity to win where can we find you if we're interested in investing in 
some of this amazing artwork? Uh, it's just LeeWyBransky.com. Uh, LeeWyBransky on Instagram. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, Instagram's our primary channel on social. Uh, everything I've ever done, more or less, is available on the website. Uh, we'll kind of run the usual Black Friday and holiday promotions uh, coming right up. So uh, there's an opportunity for people to get a good deal soon. But um, uh, with any luck, any luck at all, we might have that player's uh, artwork done in time for the holidays. That would be the uh, that would be the key stocking stuffer this year if I, if I get well. Amazing. Maybe we'll get our hands on that for the contest. Lee, it's been amazing to have you on. Thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing some time with us. Continued success for 2023, 2024. We'll keep our eyes peeled on your socials for the next up and coming. All the best. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you, fellas. Real Thank pleasure so being much. with you and uh, hope to meet you in person sometime down the line. Hey there, this is golf artist Lee Wybranski. I create artwork of the game's most prestigious and iconic events for all of us golf enthusiasts out there. I have a special offer for listeners. Get a 10% discount off your next poster with code 4JACK10. Go to LeeWybranski.com and get your golf art now. That's F-O-U-R-J-A-C-K-10 for 10% off your next poster purchase at L-E-E-W-Y-B-R-A-N-S-K-I.com.